Namaste everyone. Welcome to the Charvak podcast. This is your host Kushal Mehra. All right. So today's podcast is uh, is going to be a two part podcast. Today is part one. We're going to do another part uh, on Tuesday uh, next week. So to give you guys a brief background on in the year 2019, the government of India through a presidential order had basically changed the status of Uh, the erstwhile state of jammu and kashmir by revoking or ab- uh, article 370 post that 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 you know abrogation was challenged uh, in the supreme court of india and it was being adjudicated by a five judge bench and recently the supreme court five judge bench which was led by justice uh, chandrachud upheld the abrogation of article 370 and they determined that the abrogation was legal uh, because they they said it was quote only temporary due to the unique situation that existed in the state of jammu and kashmir they also stated in their decision that the president's order was not malicious and that article 370 calls for the unification of jammu and kashmir rather than its breakup so nikhil and i decided that we will have to do a two part podcast part 1 will be uh, a kind of a look into what the history of the article is what is the history of that area why and how the legal journey has happened and then part 2 will be taking uh, over bits we'll have bits of the judgment today bits of the judgment in part 2 and then in part 2 we'll also look at the opposition to it like uh, i mean i know nikhil will not talk about the pratap banu mehta one but i will and there is a faleem nariman objection raised uh, 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 and nikhil is laughing because i told him ki pratap banu mehta ka article padhna hai tune he is like mujhe bhejna bhi nahi i don't take that uh, stuff seriously he only wanted uh, the fali nariman article so i sent him the fali nariman article because uh, nikhil has a lawyer's bias so he is like main sirf ka main sirf vakilo ki cheeze sunta hu but having given you guys a brief background now i hand it over to nikhil nikhil thanks for coming thanks kushal uh, great being here as always just to be clear about this this is not because of a lawyer's bias or because i'm biased in any way against mr pratap bhanu mehta who i think is exceptional in a lot of other subjects but this is such a deeply constitutional issue because today that is why i want to read mr nariman's uh, comments and his son's comments justice rf nariman's comments because they are totally opposed to the to the judgment that is finally passed and they make a distinction between say a political exigency which the, which the judgment actually fulfills versus the interpretative uh, jugglery as they call it that has been performed by the supreme court in order to uphold uh, the abrogation right so i take that the purpose for me here today is i am not if if you are joining into this podcast to listen to generalities about 370 and this is not the podcast for you this is actually going to be a very challenging and difficult podcast for any listener because i'm going to take you through a lot of the actual provisions of the constitution and some very complex interpretations of the constitution as presented by the petitioners so the purpose today for me is one i'm going to give you a very brief overlay of federalism under the indian constitution because this is where everything starts federalism essentially is the relationship between the union and the states and how that relationship exists with every state but why in the specific case of the state of jnk certain exceptionalism was being propounded right 
Then I will go into a little bit of the history of 370 and how 370 was used, why there are arguments of the permanence of 370. And then we will end today by me giving you a detailed layout of the petitioner's arguments because they are really the challenging arguments and uh, outlining the issues that the court identified, the issues the court decided. And in the next part, then I will look at the actual findings of the court, the actual judgment that the court rendered. And then uh, along with that, various other commentary that we may see on the side and we can, we can comment on that. Right. So I just wanted to start actually with a very basic understanding of what are we dealing with Article 370. And I wanted to, I actually found this and I should take credit to them because uh, this is actually quite an excellent timeline produced by the Supreme Court Observer. You can get this on their website uh, of Article 370 from... Uh, 1947 onwards. And I didn't really want to add more than what is here because they've somehow hit the sweet spot between giving great details without encumbering it so much so as to make it overtly dense and heavy. But they have links within this particular timeline that they draw out. And if you follow the links, then you can really go down a very, very interesting documentary rabbit hole, which will give you a lot of insight also into India's history around the period of independence particularly how these states were formed, what was what was sort of going on at that point in time. Um, and it's something that once you get into, it's a, it's a never-ending thing. Because one thing will lead to another, then you will want comparative analysis with other states, so on and so forth. But essentially, on 15th August 1947, JNK, Kashmir, the erstwhile kingdom of Kashmir, had opted to remain independent had not chosen between India or Pakistan. Every other state had chosen between India and Pakistan. Now, you may have arguments on whether this was done by force, legitimacy of various processes, etc. Whatever it may be, states had chosen. JNK had not chosen. JNK was given time to choose or to exercise one of its three options. When I say it has not chosen, it had also not declared any sort of uh, affinity one or the other, not India, not Pakistan, and not an absolute state of sovereignty or independence either. So in the absence of that declaration, there was a uh, standing sort of uh, stalemate between India, Pakistan, and Kashmir in the course of which India and Pakistan were providing certain resources to Kashmir for the sustenance of the state while this determination was being made. And there was supposed to be a ceasefire. There was supposed to be total peace reigning in that region at that point in time. Now, on, in October 1947, and perhaps the preparation begins from September 47 itself, Pakistan attacked Kashmir. We say that this was done through what, what they used to call at that time Kabalis or local tribals who were in the, in the rhetoric of Pakistan. They were local, local tribesmen. We say that these were Pakistani soldiers and Pakistani regulars uh, dressed as tribesmen. And this was a real simple attempt by Pakistan to usurp the state by force. So on October 26, 1947, Maharaj Singh, who was the princely ruler at that time of the state of JNK. Now, just to give you a little bit of background, even British-administered India had parts that were purely British-administered. And then there were parts that they indirectly administered through the princely states. Uh, explain that. What does that mean? 
So there are parts of India at that point in time which did not have a king, did not have a ruler. Delhi, for example, did not have a ruler. And that was directly administered by the British. So it is the British who are exceeding Delhi away to the dominion of India. Right? But there are 565 princely states like Junagadh, like Hyderabad, like Kashmir, like various others, where it is the ruler who is giving an instrument of accession and a merger agreement with the dominion of India. Right? So that's a slight technical difference. And Kashmir being one of those, this was again a, a princely state with a ruler and was being administered by the British through the ruler. Now, on October 26, 1947, Maharaja Hari Singh signed the instrument of accession, acceding to the dominion of India. This is very important now. The Maharaja agreed to allow Parliament to govern three subjects and limited the union's powers to foreign affairs, defense, and communications. Right? And everything else was supposed to be retained by the state of JNK, by the government of JNK. In fact, not the government, because he was supposed to stay in place. He was called the Sadare Riyasat. So the argument will be made, and this is why this fact is important, that there is a peculiar and special retention of sovereignty by Jammu and Kashmir which is not common to any other state which signed an instrument of accession and a merger agreement because JNK also does not sign a merger agreement. It only signs an instrument of accession. Now, this is 1947. Subsequent to this, our forces moved in and secured as much of Kashmir as we possibly could. Long story short, eventually you end up with uh, a POK being lost in the sense, in that sense, right? And in November 47, Prime Minister Nehru, in his ultimate wisdom, decides that he will call a plebiscite. But he had done this because in the original meeting between Mountbatten, Sadar Patel and Nehru on one side, and Hari Singh on the other side, the issue of plebiscite was raised. Now, the Indian side had not accepted this issue of plebiscite, but it had also not protested against it because perhaps at that time the political exigency was, Pehle let them come in and then we'll deal with these things. Right? So we hadn't accepted, we hadn't rejected. So there's that famous anecdote of how Sadar Patel was almost chasing after Nehru to stop him from making this announcement on All India Radio and then thereafter taking it to uh, the UN. But even in the UN, the resolutions that were passed, and I'm just giving this as a point of historical backdrop, this really doesn't have much to do with Article 370 now, but just as a point of historical backdrop, there was to be again a ceasefire there were certain conditions that were necessary that had to be maintained. Those conditions stood violated by Pakistan time and again. And so therefore, those resolutions themselves of uh, the uh, UN hold no water anymore. And in fact, a very pithy and simple analysis of this is done by Christine Fair. She does a very good analysis of it. But you can find various videos of her uh, on social media circulating where she sort of demolishes the Pakistani argument of the resolutions uh, before the UN. Be that as it may. So this is 47. There's an instrument of accession and only three subjects are given to uh, India. 26 January 1950, our constitution comes into force. Now, Article 370 then sets out a broad framework. Article 370 stipulates that India would not make laws in Jammu and Kashmir outside the scope set out by the instrument of accession without the concurrence of its government. Further, it stated that except Article 1, which declared India the union of states, 
right? So a certain status is given to JNK. It is not called a Sadar anymore. It is sorry, it is not called a Riyasat anymore. It is now a state of the Union of India under Article 1. But other than Article 1 and Article 370, no other article of the Indian Constitution was to apply to uh, the state of JNK. However, Article 370 within itself had a mechanism by which provisions of the Constitution from time to time could be applied to the state of JNK, given that you receive concurrence from the state government there. Right? So the idea was, at that point in time perhaps, and this is what the judgment eventually deals with, that given the peculiar circumstances of the time, you were only inserting provision of the constitution as applicable to uh, JNK from time to time after concurrence being received. And not as is the case with every other state where ipso facto the constitution applied to you. Right? <clears throat> the president of India could make any provision of the constitution to apply to the state with modifications or exceptions, but required only in consultation with the state, with the government of the state. It could not, and Article 370 could not be amended or repealed unless the Constituent Assembly of JNK consented to it. This is very important. The status of the Constituent Assembly of JNK. And this comes into Article 370, subclause 3. And a lot of what we will discuss today really revolves around the few words in Article 370, subclause 3, which changes everything. And a very elaborate legal mechanism is adopted by the Union of India eventually to circumvent all of these problems. But I just wanted to make the point that at the time at which we first came into uh, a, an accession with JNK, in fact, there was a very, very limited accession. And that's an acknowledged fact. Nobody can contest that fact. Limited, ex limited accession, matlab kya? as in? That there were only three subjects on which the Union of India could make laws okay. that would apply to the state of JNK. Got it. Right? And why is this different from other states? Because, and this is where there is a natural bridge that is drawn between federalism as I'm describing it in the context of JNK versus federalism generally in the Indian constitution. And generally in the Indian constitution, under Article 254, Parliament has the right to make certain laws. So does the state legislature. And there is a concurrent list. And the list, the way they are drawn up, are housed in Schedule 7 of the Constitution of India. And list one is a set of legislative entries on which only the union government can make laws. There are 96 entries on which only the union government can make, make laws. And entry 97 is what we call a residual power. And I want you to bear in mind this residual power. Because effectively what that 90, clause 97 says, entry 97 says is, whatever else is not covered by any other entry in any other list will be a power of the union government. Right, Because you will repeatedly in the course of this particular uh, podcast and in generally in dealing with 370, constantly hear the term residual sovereignty. Right, So for every other state, the concept of residual sovereignty under the list was crystal clear would fall under article, would fall to the Union of India. Just to give you a flavor of what I'm talking about. So everybody should remember these words, residual power. For, residual, uh, sovereignty. Sovereignty. residual sovereignty residual. and residual power, right? So yeah. for example, atomic energy, arms, firearms, naval, military and air force, delimitation of cantonment areas, foreign affairs, 
United Nations organizations, foreign jurisdiction, extradition, pilgrimages to places outside of India, railways, highways declared by law, uh, maritime shipping, lighthouses, port quarantine, airways, property of the union, court court awards for the uh, for the states of rulers of Indian Indian states, Reserve Bank of India, foreign loans, trade and commerce with foreign countries, interstate trade and commerce, very importantly. All fall with the union. These are I'm just giving you a flavor. And entry 97 says, any other matter not enumerated in list 2 or list 3, including any tax not mentioned in either of those lists. And list 2 is the power of the states, right? And so public order, police. Police is the one that we always have a fight on. Right? We keep saying, why doesn't Modi government reform the police? We can't. The power lies with the state. In fact, in Delhi also, the police thing is so weird, right? Between the state and the central relation. So that is because of certain provisions of the constitution by which statehood was granted to Delhi. But even today, the Delhi police answers to the Ministry of Home Affairs. Yes. Right. So I'm just giving you a relief of the disabled and unemployable, burial and burial grounds, cremation and cremation ground. All of this falls with the state. Land, right in or over land, land tenures, including relationship of landlord and tenant, all falls with the state. And then there's the concurrent list. And the concurrent list is an interesting entity. The concurrent list is essentially subject matters where if parliament legislates, then parliament is supreme. The state may legislate, but if, and the state, that's why it's called concurrent. Both can legislate, but any legislation that the state makes, Right. If that legislation is contrary or what we call in law as repugnant, repugnant to the parliamentary legislation, then the parliamentary legislation will prevail, save and accept one circumstance that if that particular state legislation has been accorded presidential assent. Mm -hmm. Right. And here you will get criminal law, criminal procedure, preventive detention. So, Keywords are presidential assent over here to right, remember. Right. Just, so, just telling example, everyone to remember criminal, the presidential bit. Criminal law and criminal procedure, for example. Now, people know of the CRPC, people know of the, of the criminal procedure, but people know that three new laws have been passed now by, by Lok Sabha, not yet by Rajya Sabha, but by Lok Sabha, which will replace your IPC, your Indian Penal Code, your CRPC, which is your Criminal Procedure Code, and your Indian Evidence Act. Those three will be replaced, right? But in all three, in particularly in the Criminal Procedure Code and in the IPC, you used to have state amendments. And those state amendments were enforceable and uh, applicable in relation to offenses that occur in that state, provided that those amendments were not repugnant to the main section passed by Parliament. That's all I'm trying to point out over here. Right? So this is just to give you an idea of how sovereignty sort of operates. So. For every other state, the large lion's share of legislative power goes to the center, whether through list one or list three, and the residual power also goes to the center with a limited set of uh, laws that can be made under list two. And that is why India is never regarded as a federal state. It is a quasi-federal state at best, but with a deeply central power, power mechanism, deeply centralized power mechanism. Now, under Article 370, Subclause 1. You spoke of presidential orders at the start, right? We call them constitutional mm -hmm. orders. And the mm -hmm. one that we are talking about are Constitutional Order 272 and 273. So Constitutional Order 272 and 273, you can deem to be the last constitutional order under Article 370 because after that, the article is gone. Okay. Right? 
But that implies there were 271 preceding constitutional orders. Mm -hmm. And what was this? I had said to you at the start, only three legislative spaces were granted to the union and the instrument of accession. In but a technique was devolved in Article 370, subclause 1, by which other provisions of the constitution could be enforced upon the state of JNK. And so these preceding uh, constitutional orders are small, small things that are slowly being added into JNK from the Indian constitution. Got it. Right? And the most significant of these, where the union was initially given only three powers, right, was that list one was pro tanto as it stood added into jnk this list one that i just described to you the legislative powers of the union was applied to jnk this happened sometime uh in the 50s okay right and if you just if you allow me to share screen sure uh sorry let me first you want do me to, to do i go you to set no you have to uh, click present and just click share screen you have to choose the tab you want to share and it will pop up right so you can see this yeah i'll put it up now yeah orders issued under the constitution of india mm -hmm. and i just there's not a lot I want you to go through. Okay. Just this table of contents. Got it. Right? Distribution of revenues, determination of population, scheduled tribes order, uh, order under 343, that is language, set, sort of central control, all kinds of stuff is slowly being added in and added in and added in. Right? Uh, and there are, some of these do not relate to JNK in particular, but several of these relate to, relate to JNK. For example, mm. look at 81, Scheduled Tribes Order in relation to JNK. Uh, and as we keep sort of scrolling down, this is an older list, for which reason it ends at 158, right? Got it. We can, we can close this. Uh, I'm stopping the screen. That's yeah. just to give you a feel that this is how it the mechanism was devolved. Now, let's be clear, therefore. With the instrument of accession, power vests in JNK, 370 subclause 1 allows you to add in as and when you require. But if you Got don't it. add in, the power remains there. That's the by default assumption. That's right. The default position okay. is the IOA, the instrument okay. of accession. Now, in 1951, 75 members of the... Now, this is very important. In no other state, because instruments of accession of JNK are exactly the same as the instrument of accession of every other state. But every other state has a merger agreement. And no other state forms a constituent assembly of its own and forms a constitution of its own. Un unlike Jammu and Kashmir. Yes. JNK is the only state. And in 50, 1950, late 1950, uh, and in 51, uh, the Constituent Assembly of JNK was formed on October 31st, 1951. 75 members of the JNK Constituent Assembly gathered for the first time 
they belong to the national conference party led by the minister of jnk sheikh abdullah their goal was to draft a constitution for jammu and kashmir hmm. right uh, what, what was that uh, famous line ek desh mein do vidhan do pradhan aur do nishan nahi chalenge it was basically See, that's, about that's, this that's right? the opposite argument right that's the opposite yeah. argument but the argument on behalf of those who want to uphold 370 as it stood was to say that 370 is the only bridge between the union of india and state of jnk and absent yeah. 370 there is no other bridge between the union of india and jnk so in 52 the delhi agreement was formed uh, was signed between the government of india and the government of jammu and kashmir it concerned the residuary power that is article 248 of the parliament that fell outside the scope of state or concurrently the delhi agreement stated that such powers would be vested in the hands of the government of jammu and kashmir so your entry 97 stays with the government of jammu and kashmir unlike with every other state where entry 97 goes to union of india typically the union parliament exercises all residuary powers in other states delhi agreement also extended some provisions of the indian constitutional state namely fundamental rights citizenship trade and commerce union elections and legislative powers these are all very important citizenship in particular is very important you still even if you may be from jnk you operate on an indian uh, passport passport yeah right <clears throat> prime minister sheikh abdullah in the constituent assembly stated the residuary powers vested in the center in respect of all states other than jammu and kashmir in case of our state they are vested in the state itself this position is compatible with article 370 of the indian constitution and the instrument of accession on which the article is based we have always held that the ultimate source of sovereignty resides in the people it is therefore from the people that all powers can flow i am reading all of this because this history will tend to indicate that in fact there was a very good and strong case against the non abrogation of 370 right particularly at that time and if there are viewers who are logging in today in the hope that i am going to try and demolish the arguments against article 3 today is not that podcast today is the podcast that will build up the arguments against the abrogation right mm. and it's in the second part that we will take take those arguments down because i think all of these things require a very specific kind of detail otherwise you can just turn around and say look political act at that time political act at this time whatever constitutional machinery you exercise who cares we don't care that's the end of the matter and that really isn't a podcast at all that really doesn't give you the details of what was effected because to- the effected was very very interesting today's podcast is a purva paksha tuesday's podcast will be an uttar paksha <laughs> something like that yes yeah uh now in 1954 president uh, issues the constitutional order of 1954 which implements the delhi agreement so president rajendra prasad issued the president order to implement the terms agreed to in the delhi agreement on the indian constitution the president presidential order guaranteed territorial integrity to jnk and introduced article 35a which concerned which conferred special rights to permanent citizens of jammu and kashmir this order was passed with the concurrence of the constituent assembly of jammu and kashmir this uh, 35a is a thing that often sits very badly with a lot of people particularly my mother because that is where the concept of domicile in jnk arose and if you for example were a citizen of jnk and you married out of jnk you were no longer a citizen of jnk you could not hold property you could not have certain rights within jnk in any event move forward yes. and then we come to 
1957 and this is a very very important date in the context of the arguments that you will hear after a five year process on january 26 1957 the constitution of jammu and kashmir came into force with a declaration the state of jammu and kashmir is and shall be an integral part of the union of india the day before that on january 25 1957 having completed the task they were uh, formed for the constituent assembly dissolved at 12 pm noon very very important constituent assembly dissolved on 25 january 1957 right now the president of the constituent assembly honorable uh, gulam mohammad sadiq announced today is a historic session ends and with this the constituent assembly is dissolved the constituent assembly made no express recommendation to dilute article 370 please remember this always because the argument that will be raised is if it was in anybody's power to abrogate 370 it was only this constituent assembly hmm and no one else yeah right uh now in 1959 there's a very famous judgment in 1959 that becomes a very contested judgment even during the course of these hearings what in is Prem the name of the judgment premnath call versus union of india the supreme court highlighted the significance of the final decision of the constituent assembly of jammu and kashmir under article 370 sub clause 3 this provision man- mandates that a declaration by the president is subject to approval by the constituent assembly the case involved the constitutionality of the big landed estates abolition act of 1950 which was challenged by the petitioners on the ground of the maharaja of jammu and kashmir who enacted the act lacked legislative power to do so the supreme court upheld the act ruling that the maharaja indeed possessed legislative powers to pass it uh and this judgment becomes something that we will keep visiting again and again uh because this now starts to enter into that territory of what are these inter- so you started to impose articles into uh, articles of the constitution into jnk but now how do you interpret the two together because really there are very few circumstances in which you are not a federation of states okay where two constitutions exist alongside the yeah. united states for example every state has its own constitution they were a federation they are a federation therefore but the yeah. power was so cleanly divided because this was the case from the start yeah right and there the residual powers are always with the state so if in effect jnk was trying to take that kind of status for itself which is different to all of the other states hmm right and in fact the perfect federation of states was actually the cis that was formed after the former soviet union was dissolved hmm and the big difference there is the power to secede yes if anybody wants to read i am not going to go into details on this but if you want to read on what are the elements on which federalism is determined by legal scholars this is the the uh, the ultimate person you have to read is a guy called ivo dukachek ivo dukachek set out certain parameters on which the federal character of a constitution is analyzed and the indian constitution if they were, i think there were 17 factors Indian Constitution perhaps meets six or seven, you know, seven or eight at most. The American Constitution is higher. The CIS was nearly complete. Hmm. And if you look at modern-day Europe under the EU, it's perhaps even higher. But a more of a novel sort of structure because there is no centralized government that can override powers there, you know, in a real sense. Anyway, 
Now in 62, Supreme Court held in a judgment called Puranla Lakhanpal versus the President of India uh, that the President has wide powers to amend constitutional provisions in Jammu and Kashmir. A president, presidential order allowed Jammu and Kashmir to be represented in the Lok Sabha only through indirect elections, while other states are direct elections. The order modified the application of Article 81, which pertains to the composition of the Lok Sabha to exclude Jammu and Kashmir. Petitioners hmm. challenged the order contending that the President can only make minor modifications to constitutional provisions. The Supreme Court upheld the presidential order stating that the word modification in Article 370 should be interpreted broadly to include even an amendment. The, co the court held that the term modification should be given the widest possible amplitude within the context of Article 370. Now, this is very, very interesting. You cannot do this to, a, to any other Indian state. But because you are applying Article 81 to the to JNK through the root of Article 371, 370 subclause 1, you are allowed to modify Article 81 when you are applying it to, to JNK. Hmm. Right? So it's a very, uh, I'm just reiterating this stuff because it's a very peculiar relationship. It doesn't exist in any other uh, known circumstance. Right? And what comes about then is that in 68, this is the competing judgment. Okay, so what happens when the petitions are filed challenging this abrogation? Abrogation occurs through steps on 5th and 6th August 2019. Uh, the Venerable Dr. Shah Faisal as petitioner files a petition on August 19th, right? Mm. Who has now come back to the fold of the union government and the IAS very recently. I think a few days ago he's been announced, mm -hmm. right? Now, I had read to you the earlier judgment, which was... Uh, the Premnath Yes, yes, yes. So, this judgment, Premnath call, is often cited for the proposition that 370 is temporary. Hmm. And it can be modified in its language in various ways. That's the proposition. So, so, Pavan, so, so Premnath call was used a lot by the union. Yeah. But the competing judgment is Sampat Prakash versus State of Jammu and Kashmir. The Supreme Court dealt with the constitutional validity of two presidential orders extending the application of Article 35C in Jammu and Kashmir. Article 35C was a special provision which provided immunity to preventive detention laws from fundamental rights claims in the states. The petitioner argued that Article 370 ceased to exist after the dissolution of the Constituent Assembly and therefore the President was no longer empowered to make orders under Article 370 subclause 1. Now this is very interesting. The argument was actually even 370 does not exist anymore. The word temporary in the context of 370 was only to facilitate the relationship with the Constituent Assembly and once the Constituent Assembly of the state had determined that in fact, they have now a new uh, assembly and they have a new constitution in place for the state and they have not abrogated 370 in that sense or not said that all of the Indian constitution, all Indian laws will apply. That means 370 has no further role. Right? So basically, it to... this only helps the Union of India. Na? How does it no, help? No, anyone? no, it would, it would go totally against you because then it would say that, oh, that, that total sovereignty lies with the constitution of JNK. Okay. That was the argument, right? Hmm. And here's the interesting bit. So, in to be able to circumvent that, the Indian Supreme Court then says, no, 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 370 is a permanent measure. Hmm. 
So please understand that the sense in which the Supreme Court first says 370 is a permanent measure is actually for the preservation of 370 to in order to extend further powers of the Indian constitution into JNK. Hmm. And Indian laws into JNK. That's the context in which they say 370 is a permanent measure. But today, that same statement out of context is used from that judgment to say, oh, it, it becomes a permanent measure means there's nothing else that you can do about it at all. Hmm. Right? So perhaps the union is correct in saying the, in the, the interpretation being given in this judgment in uh, uh, Sampat, in Sampat Prakash to 370 by the, by the Supreme Court was that this is always a gateway provision. Hmm. And the gateway effect of that provision does not go away after the Constituent Assembly of JNK is dissolved. That is a matter right. of interpretation, right? No, there's no matter of interpretation there. That's not, no matter of interpretation there. What they are saying is a very simple thing. 371, subclause 1, allows you to impose certain laws into JNK from our constitution and from our domestic laws, right? Mm -hmm. that, is the, that is the bridge that allows this to happen. In this judgment, they go and say, sorry, Constituent Assembly was framed. Constituent Assembly now decides that JNK Constitution is supreme. Therefore, even 370, that route is shut. Hmm. And no law from India can now be applied into JNK. To dispel that, the, the Supreme Court says, no, no, no. It is all a, uh, it's a permanent provision and therefore that route will always be open. Got it. But the, the context in which it is now being used is different. So the context in which now it is being used is to say, therefore, 370 becomes non-abrogable. the way the moment you read it, I was like, this is going to be used by the government to help them. No, no. no so the judgment itself, yes. No, no. Those will go back and forth a little bit. But the, but the core provision of it being non-abrogable is being used by the petitioners. Hmm. Right? Now, what happens is this. Just going to leap forward a little bit. In Shah Faisal's initial petition, this conflict between uh, the, the Panaral call judgment and the Sampat Prakash judgment is cited to the court. That one says temporary provision, the other says permanent provision. Right? And therefore, there is a conflict between the two. And therefore, please place this before a constitution bench. And that is how the constitution bench arises. But the court is wise to the argument that I just explained to you. That the context in which it was called permanent. So there are certain paragraphs that are related into the judgment saying that even that court was saying, boss, what are you talking about? The first question that court raises, what amounts to a conflict of judgments? When is it, when is it feasible to make a reference to the constituent, to a constitutional bench? In fact, is there a conflict between these judgments at all? Right. In any event, in 72, that uh, this is quite crucial because this is one of the mechanisms used eventually by the Union of India. Mm. The Supreme Court holds that the president can amend interpretation of certain words through Article 370. Right. In the That's case so of nice. Makbul Damno, this is a it's an interesting judgment. This judgment, again, the way both sides use it, it doesn't travel as far as both sides wish to use it. But where it doesn't travel to creates a problem for everyone. Because what it effectively does is this. Everybody tried to argue from JNK saying, look, the proviso to Article 370, subclause 1, subclause D says, you must get the consent of the Sadhra Riyasa. 
right? There is no Sadhari Asad. Therefore, there can be no more consent. Therefore, no more laws can be applied to JNP. ट्यूशन this or an enabling interpretation of the constitution this is more enabling that is to say you cannot be stuck with a non existent reality and say that a constitution ossifies because of the absence of that current reality hmm. the petitioner challenged the order arguing that it lacked the recommendation of the constituent assembly which had already been dissolved the supreme court upheld the validity of the presidential order the court viewed the amendment as a mere clarification since the office of the sadare riyasat no longer existed According to the court, the governor had succeeded the southern areas. But be very mindful. In this judgment, although the union tries to use it in that manner, the court does not interpret what the meaning of the word constituent assembly in Article three seventy sub clause three is. Okay, they only go as far as southern areas. But the logic of it will be the same, because what the union is saying is, look, southern areas goes away, and you say effectively it's the governor. Hmm. same way if the if the constituent assembly goes away effectively now it's a legislative assembly how does it matter this will make more sense when i come down to what all was done by the government step by step it's a very interesting and i mean speaking for myself baat deni padegi yaar what a ploy now 72 ke baad mr jetli ne a plan kiya tha perhaps uh, that's what i'm told now we come to 2016 uh, 2016 very important judgment again on the supreme court there is a sarfesi act uh, i'm sure a number of your viewers who have otherwise taken loans from banks etc would be aware of the sarfesi act sarfesi act essentially arose at a time at which just this is a little on the side but just to give you some legal background right now that it's come up it's interesting and i just want to say it uh the first attempt made legislatively in india to go after bad bank loans was to set up tribunals in the hope that by setting up tribunals you will be able to dispense justice very quickly and so therefore your debt recovery tribunals were set up and you will be able to recover mon- money owed to the banks but we soon realized that hamara jo court system hai aap chahe 10 nay kisam ke bana lo wo end mein phasi jata so because wo phas jata hai and that that court system becomes so slow you now needed laws that gave more draconian powers to banks to act so the sarfesi act was enacted which essentially allowed them to go and pick up the asset itself and start selling it and then you are the one challenging the sale of the asset hmm right so in that context uh, they say that the supreme court addressed a challenge against the sarfesi act the union government legislation the petitioners contended that this act clashed with the jammu and kashmir transfer of property act legislation specific to jnk the supreme court upheld the union's legislation during the hearing the supreme court observed that there was no definitive timeline mentioned for the operation of article 370 the provision would continue to be in, in effect until a recommendation from the constituent assembly in every judgment so far nobody has still touched article 370 sub clause 3 hmm 
Okay. I'm just going to read this. And the next thing I'm going to do is read for you Article 370. And I, I'm going to ask you to, uh, the unamended old 370, just put it up on screen. Mm -hmm. If you can do that now, let's go through it straight away. Yeah, I'll put it up. Give me a, give me a bit. I'll put it up. But uh, I'm just trying to look for it. I had opened it. But where did it go? 357 hai, 368 hai. oh yes 370 okay i'm gonna put up the 370 from constitution.net so that everybody can look at it and here you go so this is 370 let me you yeah. see that first word, notwithstanding anything in this constitution. Right? Yeah. These are what we call as non-obstantive clauses. Hmm. This is the broadest kind of non-obstantive. Okay, explain. Explain this word because nobody might know. Notwithstanding anything in this constitution means whatever else your constitution may say does not apply to this article. Okay, because some of the things that you are trying to do in this article will otherwise be in conflict with other articles. So you are creating a limitation of judicial review which says if non-obstante means you cannot look into clashes between this article and other articles of the constitution. Hmm. And this people should bear this in mind because this argument will come up later. Got it. Anyway, notwithstanding anything in this constitution. The provisions of Article 238 shall not shall not apply in relation to the state of Jammu and Kashmir. Now, what is 238? 238 is 238 was actually eventually deleted, so it doesn't matter. This, this was uh, uh, deleted in 56, so it doesn't matter. This, this this bit is not the difficult bit. The power mm -hmm. of Parliament now B. Power of Parliament to make laws for the state shall be limited to those matters in the union list and the concurrent list, which in consultation with the government of the state are declared by the president to correspond to matters specified in the instrument of accession governing the accession of the state to the Dominion of India as the matters with respect to which the Dominion legislature may make laws for that state. And such other matters on the said list, as with the concurrence of the government of of the state, the president may by order specify. This is where your presidential orders come from, right? But that first bit, those matters in the union list and the concurrent list, which in consultation with the government of the state are declared by the president to correspond to matters specified in the instrument of accession, which meant what? Instrument of accession said only three things will apply. Hmm. Right? So, in clause one, immediately on the instrument of accession, all powers that relate to those three things that were given in the original instrument of accession, the Union of India has the power to make laws straight away. Hmm. And just to go back to that, those three things were foreign affairs, defense, and communications. Hmm. So you may these can be divided into a number of entries. Right? So a number of entries and laws you made under these will have application immediately. But look at part two now. And two, such other matters in the said list, as with the concurrence of the government of the state, the president may by order specify. This is where your presidential orders come from. Yeah, with exactly. I was going to say. Meaning, other matters meaning those matters that don't correspond to the instrument of accession. Hmm. 
therefore 370 sub clause 370 sub 370 sub clause 1 sub clause b sub sub clause 2 already contemplates that you can travel far beyond the instrument of accession but mm. it is a consensual procedure and this is where i had spe specified that by the use of this the entire list one of seven schedule that is the entire powers of law making of the union of india were enforced in jm hmm other than that entry 90 ab samajh mein aaya right hmm. now for this purpose for the purposes of this article the government of the state means the person for the time being recognized by the president as the maharaja of jammu and kashmir acting under the advice of the council of ministers for the time being in office under the maharaja's proclamation dated 5th day of march 1948 अब महाराजा जी तो बचे नहीं तो महाराजा गवर्नमेंट Indian Constitution, Article One and Article Three Seventy certainly apply, and that mm. means that Article Three Seventy is the only route by which anything else applies. That's the argument. Mm. And how does it apply? We go back again, just so that you know. Sometimes repetition is necessary in these things. Scroll up again. Okay. Article One and Article Three Seventy apply. If you can scroll up a little bit, right? So that go up a little bit more. This is it. Ah, stop! Stop! Article one and Article three seventy apply. Three seventy says sub clause one again. From the moment you arrive into the Indian Constitution, uh, in the, into the Indian Union, you are now subject to those three powers under the instrument of accession. All all legislative power goes straight away to the Union of India, and you will identify entries from entry one of the uh, of the of a from list one of schedule seven that correspond to those powers. Right. So that immediately happens. And if you want to extend further, you will go to two. that's the purpose mm. of c now come to d and d is the killer such other provisions of the constitution shall apply in relation to that state subject to such exceptions and modifications as the uh, president may by order specify now we have seen article 81 that judgment in the context of article 81 where modification mm. was no i'm sorry you're going to have only indirect elections you're not going to have direct elections Hmm. that same article 81 if you try to impose on the states the states would have said not possible without an amendment to 81 hmm so what would in article 81 be required by way of a substantial amendment under article 356 of the constitution under article 368 of the constitution right can be done by way of a simple presidential order in the context of jm hmm right so now what happens is now these two provisos are very important well, this is where the whole battle happens <coughs> such other provisions of the constitution ah, ah, such other provisions of the constitution shall apply in relation to the state subject to such exceptions and modifications as the president may by order specify provided that no such order which relates to matters specified in the instrument of accession of the state referred to in paragraph 1 or sub clause b shall be issued except in consultation with the government of the state okay and provided further that no such order which relates to matters other than those referred to in the last preceding proviso shall be issued except with the concurrence of the government so to apply portions of the indian constitution 
or portions and by 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 saying portion of the indian constitution i mean legislative power of the union hmm into the state of jnk you needed the consent of the state government and in this context think of the politics of jnk after having worked with sheikh abdullah for a long time prime minister nehru had imprisoned sheikh abdullah for a large period yeah they had the government so the government was constantly giving consent hmm these constitutional orders are being passed now part now clause 3 oh sorry first clause 2 if the concurrence of the government of the state referred to in paragraph 2 of sub clause b of clause 1 or in the second proviso of the sub clause d of the clause be given before the constituent assembly for the purpose of framing a constitution of the state is convened it shall be placed before such assembly for such decision as it may be taken thereon this is very important what is it saying it's saying supposing you have given there is a time period gap between the joining of uh of jnk into the union the enact the the coming into force of the indian constitution that is on 26 june 1950 right there is a one year period until on the 26th of uh, oh no in fact even there longer period 18 month period or so in which the constituent assembly of jnk is established in that 18 month period if certain consents have been given hmm right as i read earlier i hope you're getting this if you're not getting this i'm yeah. sure the viewers are not getting it but no, if I'm certain consents it. have been given at that time those will have to be placed before the constituent assembly for its consent in fact now i've understood how the government went about <laughs> removing this thing i'm so yeah. proud of the government now comes yeah. clause 3 this is very important yeah. notwithstanding anything in the foregoing provision of this article the president may by public notification declare that the article shall cease to be operative or shall be operative only with such exception and modification from such date as he may specify so this is the power of the president yeah. but based provided that the recommendation of the constituent assembly of the state referred to in clause 2 shall be necessary before the president issues the notification hmm. right very hmm. interesting stuff power of the okay. president but can't do it without the constituent assembly now we come to see the basic the question here everybody should remember two three things in this i just want to remind people what nikhil is doing is trying to explain how 370 was structured is isme do teen points bahut important yaad rakhna power of the president and constituent assembly these two words always remember this and now and if you are smart enough concurrence of the state concurrence, concurrence of the state okay now these three things think how 370 was removed if you are smart enough you will understand what the government did no no <laughs> it's, it's what actually, you can call the state at a particular point of time it's actually quite yeah. quite complex for people to sort of decipher like this broadly they say ha yaar consent wagera ke provisions hata diye honge but kaise hata right because that is what is being tested when you remove these things how do they stand up to constitutional scrutiny and what is the route you choose to remove these things hmm. for example every single article of this constitution is amended only under article 368 but this particular provision has its own mechanism for amendment which is in article 37 hmm 
and unlike other articles which requires both houses of parliament to pass an amendment and perhaps even more than that in the case of certain amendments this one just says the president may declare but in the constituent assembly accepts hmm it needs a constituent assembly right so the argument that comes from the petitioner is always 370 is a stand alone thing hmm starting with that non obstantive that i read in the beginning not withstanding yeah. anything contained in this constitution right now hmm. let's go step by step about what was done <laughs> on 19th of june 20 these dates are important they'll be important in the larger context as well but on 19th of june 2018 memhuba mufti resigns this now i'm reading my own notes huh? i'm done with mm. the supreme court observer and i'm very grateful to that lovely history that they had recorded but this is now my own notes from various things that i have picked up uh on 19th of june 2018 memhuba mufti resigns after the bjp government withdraws support right and look at the alacrity and if you think this was not planned on that day or before that day then you are about to cotton on to something that will you find actually if you are on this side of the divide quite amusing otherwise quite sinister depends on how you look at things immediately on the 20th of june 2018 governor issues a proclamation under section 92 of the jnk constitution which allows the governor to be entrusted with all power of the state government president of india provides his concurrence proclamation is to last only 6 months Okay, we have a parallel provision in Article three fifty six for every other state, but I'll tell you mm. about that. Now, this is very interesting because what would happen if a coalition government falls in any other state? You would be allowed to do a floor test if every other political party gets together and says, "No, in fact, I have majority." right and this is why an argument is constantly raised look at the alacrity with which they act 19 june you withdraw support 20 june you raise a promulgation under section 92 of the jnk constitution right and you take all power to yourself and you dissolve the bloody assembly compare this to maharashtra he is refusing to take a floor test correct so egna shinde suddenly pops up and says no 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 i have the numbers Because that's okay. You do the protest. Every other state, this happens, but not in the NK was not allowed to do this. I'm just pointing this out because that's the colorable bit here, right? Now, on 21st of November 2018. Now, remember this under Section 92 on 20th of December 2018, that proclamation under Section 92 becomes inoperative. Governor can no longer be in power of uh, can no longer hold the power of the state government. But on twenty first November twenty eighteen, prior to the expiry of the six month period, legislative assembly was dissolved under fifty three two of the JNK Constitution. So, our governor has kept five months for the legislative assembly there, but the power was given to them. And they did not give them a floor test. Right? Now, the legislative assembly is dissolved, and I am telling you, this is where your Abdullah's heard. This is the set of steps that they needed to challenge straight away in the Supreme Court. I know exactly what you're talking about. They didn't see what was coming, right? But neither does it make game. Game cardali unki. Or wo wo samajh nahi paaye kya ho. So on 21st of November 2018, the Legislative Assembly is dissolved. On 28th of November 2018, Governor, <laughs> this is where it gets really funny. 
governor submits a report to the president now i'm going to if you can before i read this bit please take up article 356 okay okay i'll put it up in the let me let me try to open it because there are so many articles that i had opened and ha okay i'll put up article 356 now Hmm. I I can imagine all the live viewers laughing right now as they are listening to you because now even they are getting कि government ने game कैसे बजाई इनकी okay it's up on the screen now 350. this is very important uh, you go up a little bit more you will see the heading of the art yeah now this is very very important there is a precondition already outlined in the topic of the article for the exercise of power under that article. provision in case of failure of constitutional machinery in states right so failure mm-hmm. of constitutional machinery being a precept being an imperative now yeah. we all of us growing up having watched indian politics have talked about how indira gandhi weaponized this art oh absolutely she used to dismiss state opposition state governments for fun right the modi government has lost on two occasions when it uh acted on the 356 it has lost before the high courts on, on two occasions when it acted on the 356 the states are becoming more and more the you know this the supreme court is becoming more and more, is becoming much stricter on 356 right but 356 requires that if the president and now the next words are very important on receipt of a report from the governor of a state or otherwise right so you can form your opinion based on your own knowledge but you can form it based on the governor's report is satisfied that a situation has arisen in which the government of the state cannot be carried on in accordance with the provisions of this constitution the president may by proclamation and this now becomes vital assume to himself all or any of the functions of the government of the state and all or any of the powers vested in or exercisable by the governor or any body or authority in the state other than the legislature of the state so what happens the president becomes the executive right declare the power of the legislature of the state shall be exercisable by or under the authority of parliament which means parliament becomes the legislature absolutely right make such incidental and consequential provisions as appear to the president to be necessary or desirable for giving effect to the objects of the proclamation including provisions for suspending in whole or in part the operation, operation of any parts of this constitution Relating to any body or authority in the state, provided that nothing in this clause shall authorize the president to assume to himself any other power vested in or exercised by high court, or to suspend in whole or in part the operation of any provision of the constitution relating to high courts. In other words, judicial review you can't get rid of. Hmm. Right? Now that is very important. Three fifty six one is very important. I want you to take a look at three fifty six five as well. Hmm. Here, I'll highlight three fifty six five. Now, before actually we go there, uh, let's go to three fifty six three. Okay, let's go to three. Every proclamation under this article shall be laid before each house of parliament and shall, except where it is a proclamation revoking a previous op- proclamation, cease to operate at the expiry of two months unless before the expiration of that period it has been approved by resolutions of both houses of parliament. right so parliament has to approve this you can't act like the president and just do what you want to do you have to place it before parliament parliament has to approve it 
provided that if any such proclamation not being a proclamation revoking a previous proclamation is issued at a time when the house of the people is dissolved or the dissolution of the house of the people takes place during the period of two months referred to and if a resolution approving the proclamation has not been passed by the council of states but no resolution with respect to the proclamation is passed by the house of people before the expiration of that period the proclamations will cease to operate at the expiration of 30 days so if you the, the long and short of this is if by circumstances you are in such a position that you can't get these val valid uh, uh, what do you call uh, approvals from parliament from both houses of the parliament sorry that doesn't mean that you survive in limine and forever and ever you fail tough luck now come to four a proclamation so approved shall unless revoked cease to operate on the expiration of a period of six months from the date of issue of the proclamation Correct. So I told mm. you section 92 also had a six month provision. That's section 92 of the JNK constitution. Had a six month provision. That power was exercised by the governor on the 20th of June 2018. Correct. Now what mm -hmm. does the governor do? Right. This will create some very interesting interpretative questions that will become arguments by the petitioners. So the governor on the 21st of November 2018 sorry, on the 28th of November 2018, submits a report to the president. If you can go back to clause 1, that's the report he submits. This. That first line. On a receipt, uh, on a receipt from, of a report from the governor. Right? So on 28th November 2018, governor submits a report to the president for exercise of powers under Article 356 of the Constitution. This is, remember this, the six-month period under Section 92 of JNK Constitution is about to end. And I don't think they have a renewal procedure there. So what do we decide to do? We decide, chalo yaar, we'll grandfather this into the Indian Constitution. Hmm. So one of the questions that arises is, could 356 power be used against 370 when 370 opens with that, what I convert to you, the non-obstante, notwithstanding anything contained in this Constitution. Hmm. Right? So, on the 20th of June, that six-month period under Section 92 of the JNK Constitution is about to expire. So, with the same alacrity that we have seen throughout in this reading of dates, on the 19th of December, sorry, on the 20th of December, it was about to expire. On the 19th of December, the President's rule, uh, president's rule is promulgated in JNK. Hmm. But now let's be clear, that first six-month period was under Section 92 of the JNK Constitution. But mm. now you have another six-month period that is now under 356 of the Indian Constitution. Indian Constitution. So the question is, does it operate like this in the context of JNK? And then when you needed to exercise the power under the Constitution of India, you come to the Constitution of India. Mm. And this is not a minor power. We are talking about a power that takes away democracy effectively that takes away the elected government and the elected legislature effectively. You can remove 356 now. I don't need 356. Okay. Right? So, like 356 said, state government assumes the uh, functions are assumed by the president and, and eventually the president ordains through him the governor. Right? So, the governor is the embodiment of the president in the state. 356 mm. says president takes the power of the state government Governor says, I'm giving it to the uh, president, says, I'm giving it to the governor. So, one of the issues that will happen is 
governor forms a consent on behalf of the state government and gives it to the president but the president and the governor are the same yeah which effectively means the president formed his own consent and gave it to himself boys so, played well in, in constitutional terms that's it's a little absurd because what does that mean it means the checks and balances of power hmm. right constitutional power is all about identifying checks and balances and separations uh so amusing though it may sound it's a very serious problem constitutionally then state legislative powers are assumed by parliament provides provides to article 3 are suspended this allows for altering of boundaries and, and states obviously okay? this is what it allows for this is where your reorganization comes from yeah yeah anyway on the 28th of december lok sabha accepts the proclamation because i had shown to you in 356 that both houses of parliament have to accept the proclamation within a two month period so before even 10 days have passed lok sabha accepts it on 3rd of january 2019 rajya sabha accepts it now governor to exercise power of the president subject to superintendence direction and control now on the 20 now 6 months pass again 28th of june 2019 so let's be clear 3rd ja- january 2019 is when rajya sabha accepts it correct so your 6 month period of reckoning in 356 that is the validity period of this proclamation under 356 starts on the 3rd of january so before its expiry on the 28th of june 2019 lok sabha extends the extends president's rule on 3rd of july 2019 rajya sabha extends president's rule 6 months under article 356 for start reckoning again from this date and what i didn't show you on 356 was you can never have an unending uh, power of this sort unending situation of this sort this can last for a maximum period of 3 years right so you do 6 months then you add on 6 months then if you if lok sabha and rajya sabha agree you can add on another 6 months eventually totaling to th- maximum 3 years at the end of 3 years you must hold elections hmm so after lok sabha extends on uh on rajya sabha extends on 3rd july the game starts on the 5th of august 2019 right now i know people will remember i hope people remember from that 3rd july onwards there was a lot of uh gossip going around and a lot of news media going around that they're starting to mobilize big time in jm big mm. time in jm not mobilize mobilizing like they've never mobilized before and the rumors were what is about to happen is there something major happening war like with pakistan but there were enough rumors to say 370 is going hmm right and those people like me who could never believe that such a great day would come were cynical about it like 370 to kabhi nahi ja sakta but hmm. that's what happened on the 5th of august 2019 constitutional order number 272 application to jnk is passed and what does this constitutional order do all provisions of the constitution of india to apply superseding all preceding constitutional orders right the preceding constitutional order applied only bits and pieces piecemeal parts of the constitution now we're saying the entire constitution applies and can you pull up article 367 sure i'll do that Give me a moment. Three sixty-seven or three fifty-seven? You are type three fifty-seven. Let's go. Let's go to sixty-seven. Okay, then I'll have to. Sorry, I forgot to put that in the list. Yeah, you did not give me that. 
वेट हम ओपनिंग इट जस्ट गिव मी मोमेंट आर्टिकल 367 ऑफ द इंडियन कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन राइट ओके ओके लेट्स लुक इट अप ओके आर्टिकल 367 पुट इट अप there you go very simple it's an interpretation clause hmm right it's not a substantive power it's not a substantive rule it doesn't give power to anyone it doesn't take away power for anything just a simple interpretation rule right and you will see in the 367 that you are pulled up hmm there are only three clauses yeah so what happens with co272 is clause number 4 is added if you want you can get this very quickly please pull up constitutional order 272 mm-hmm. just type in constitutional order 272 pdf in fact let me see if i have it may no, i don't have it. 272 right yeah constitutional order 272 pdf okay Hmm. The Constitutional Order Two Seventy Two document. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yep. PDF is opening. Just give me a moment. Man, Just... Adobe has this liquid mode. Now it slowed everybody down in the opening of documents. On the phone, it's so irritating. I can't begin to tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah. but uh, on the pc it's not that bad it's not that bad on the pc so can be done there you go notification right now come to the second all provisions of the constitution as amended from time to time shall apply in relation to the state of jammu and kashmir and exceptions and the exceptions and modifications subject to which they shall so apply shall be as follows so these are the only exceptions that will apply so 36740 applies only to jnk to article 367 there shall be added the following clause namely clause 4 you i showed you there was only clause 3 earlier now clause 4 comes in for the purpose of this constitution as it applies in relation to the state of jammu and kashmir a reference to this constitution or to the provisions thereof shall be construed as references to the constitution or the provisions thereof as applied in relation to the said state this is it sounds very prosaic and very dull but it is important because what this means is the whole constitution applies to you now yeah basically right? this is game over yeah references to the person for the time being recognized by the president on the recommendation of the legislative assembly of the state as a sadra riyasat of jammu and kashmir acting under advice of the council of ministers of the state for the time being in office shall be construed as references to the governor of jammu and kashmir in other words <laughs> game over ha, no no i'm here game yeah. over nahi hai what it means is the sadra riyasat is now the governor 
Yeah, that's what na. References to the government or the said state shall be construed as including references to the governor of Jammu and Kashmir acting on the advice of his council of ministers. And in D, in proviso to clause three of Article three seventy of this constitution, this is the most important change and the most contested change. The expression "constituent assembly of the state" referred to in clause two shall be read as "legislative assembly of the state." <laughs> Just can't right. stop laughing. This is too funny. So this is what they do. This is on the fifth of uh, August. Immediately on the fifth of August, Rajya Sabha. Now Rajya Sabha is acting like the Legislative Assembly of JNK, not as Rajya Sabha of the Union of India, but acting under three fifty six as the Legislative Assembly of the state. So it gives its recommendation to the president. All clauses, all clauses of Article three seventy shall be inoperative, save and except clause one, which stood substitute. That substitution had also happened. That's CO two seventy three. Rajya Sabha first, and then on the same day, and Lok Sabha then accepts JNK reorganization bill under the proviso to Article three. That is where you become a union territory with a legislative mm-hmm. assembly, and and and. Uh, Ladakh becomes a union ter- territory without a. Uh, uh, so, art, Article three is formation of new states and alteration of areas, boundaries, if or names of existing. We can do that as well. It's a good place to good place to start to learn this stuff. Hmm. This is your Article three. Parliament may by law. Form a new state by separation of territory from any state, or by uniting two or more states, or parts of states, or by uniting any territory or to a part of any state. This is how your entire linguistic reorganization of states was affected in 1956 and 57. This is how those huge presidencies, Madras presidency, etc., were carved out into different states. Madras presidency was massive. It used to extend. It used to be Kerala, uh, Tamil Nadu. Andhra parts of Odisha going all the way up to the Calcutta side, mm-hmm. right? So th- that that's the same thing you read. Now Parliament may by law form a new state by separation of territory from any state, or by uniting two or more states, or parts of states, or by uniting any territory to a part of any state. So I can today take a part of Jharkhand and make it into Bihar, or take a part of Bihar and make it into Jharkhand. Increase the area of any state, diminish the area of any state. Alter the boundaries of any state. Alter the name of any state. We can turn. We can change Maharashtra into Kushalabad if you'd want. I would prefer that. Provided that no bill for the purpose shall be introduced, neither House of, House of Parliament except on the recommendation of the President, and unless where the proposal contained in the bill affects the area, boundaries, or name of any of the states, the bill has been referred by the President to the Legislature of that state for expressing its views thereon within such period as may be specified in reference to which. Such other period as the present may allow, and the period so specified or allowed has expired. In other words, you are only taking the opinion of that state legislature. Mm-hmm. They don't get to pass or reject. You are only taking yeah. their opinion. President is then empowered. I've taken the opinion; they are opposed to this. So really, maybe I shouldn't do it. That power is left in the president and in the union, effectively, right? So what I was just reading to you. Is the Rajya Sabha doing exactly this? Yeah. That you asked us about this alteration, we accept the alteration. 
the rest of this is not not material i just wanted to show this just so that people have an idea what i'm talking about right got it what is fascinating Now, is i i repeat again everybody remember when we said in the start the role of the president and what is a legislature now you will understand what the government was but doing but the president under indian indian constitutional structure is the prime minister and the council ministers exactly the stamp and the thappa is of the president but the actions are of the union government right union uh now lok sabha recommends to president on the 6th of august that all clauses of article 370 shall be inoperative so now what rajya sabha had done on the 5th lok sabha does on the 6th and lok sabha also passes the jnk reorganization act now you can pull up if you'd like constitute uh, actually if you can just uh, i'll share screen and i'll show it to you which one do you want ah uh, i'll do it i'll do it right can you see this yeah it's not come up till now and my my end did you choose present screen or what what did you do oh yeah now it's come now it's come now it's come 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 right have you got it up yep, yep. now opening words in exercise of the powers conferred by clause 3 of article 370 read with clause 1 of article 370 the president on the recommendation of parliament is pleased to declare that as from the 6th of august 2019 all clauses of the said article 370 shall be shall cease to be operative these are very important words for sure 370 sub clause 3 use the word constituent assembly the last geo says what what is constituent assembly becomes legislative assembly correct hmm but because of your proclamation under 356 what is legislative assembly becomes parliament parliament right so and so therefore when the president acts he is acting on he is acting not as the president of india he is acting the as effectively the state government yeah he is the legislature mai wohi to bol raha hu no, no, state government and on the yeah, recommendation yeah. of parliament meaning parliament is effectively the state legislature state government wo mai bola na wo jo kya picture thi wo jo chacha hai wo bhatija hai wo bhatija hai wo chacha hai chacha bhatija ek hi hai effectively i'll summarize this in a second is pleased to declare that is from the 6th august 2019 all clauses of the said article 370 shall cease to be operative all provisions of this constitution as amended from time to time without any modifications or exceptions Shall apply to the state of Jammu and Kashmir, notwithstanding anything contrary contained in Article One Fifty Two or Article Three Zero Eight or any other article of this Constitution, or in any other provision of the Constitution of Jammu and Kashmir, or any law, document, judgment, ordinance, order by law, rule, regulation, blah blah, uh, enforce in the territory of India or any other instrument, treaty, or agreement as envisaged under Article Three Sixty or otherwise. Everything is gone. Right now, please see they override the Constitution of Jammu and Kashmir as well. right i'll show that here hmm. or any other provision of the constitution of jammu and kashmir so they hmm. override that and any other instrument treaty or agreement so goodbye instrument of accession exactly right i'm going to now stop the screen i think people have got the idea boss this was designed by legal geniuses Yeah. No, so, so just in summary, three seventy says you first need the consent of the state government, and then you need 
the approval of the constituent assembly so what do they do they use 356 to make state government into governor effectively or president effectively and legislative assembly into parliament exactly right then they go into 367 they insert an article on interpretation and they make constituent assembly the same as legislative assembly save kar diya right that means now all powers are being exercised by two bodies one the president right. and two the parliament. parliament and they play their little badminton match and this is all done yeah and it is all legal well now it's legal court has upheld but we are only in the process of examining all of this abhi to bahut arguments hain long live justice chandrachud <laughs> right now uh just for the sake of fullness lok sabha passes the jnk reorganization act on the 6th of august uh this this what i just read to you constitution order 273 uh is passed on 68 by lok sabha as well mha issues a standing order 2889 um sub bracket e under section 2a of the jnk reorganization act saying this will take effect from 31st october 2019 because they needed that about 40 45 days to do everything right to set your uh, machinery up now mm-hmm. now i'm going to come to the broad submissions of the petition i, I mean we've already gone through and our i'm telling you we could even do three parts on this i've just given the background of what was done and what 370 was i could do an entire one and a half to two hours just explaining to you the arguments of the petitioners and then the judge but i don't think you were in the mood for three parts of this uh, particular podcast do 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 part two is enough right so for two and then i need uh, this is going to be a long one because i need to then go through the petitioners arguments now kar kar aaram se kar yaar Now on the twentieth of June twenty, so the petitioner's submissions first is that that first exercise of power by Shri Shri Satyapal Malik, who since then has become extremely upset with the no, government, rogue, rogue agent, and, and has been saying that the Jat community will avenge his his dishonor, <laughs> who was the pilot of the entire operation for a year. Most... He held the fort. Boss, don't ever. Don't ever underplay his his uh, role in all Great. this. He held the fort Great. for a year before Great you acted, plan. right? So he on twentieth June, you will recall, I had told you on nineteenth June, Mehbooba Mufti, twenty eighteen, Mehbooba Mufti resigns. Our governor sir says, forget about any other combinations of coalition governments. मेरे हिसाब से तो कुछ बच ही नहीं सकता. मैं ले रहा हूँ सरकार की पावर. I am taking all of the government to power, right? I am not commenting on. the validity or invalidity of all of this i'm just explaining what has happened and petition yeah, argument it's a matter of fact how the things opinions went. will come uh, as the arguments are are set out because i just want to set out the petitioner's argument and a lot of what i want to say will come in the second part right so they say that this proclamation under section 92 whereby the governor is entrusted with the power of the state government since there was no break this is a colorable exercise this is an invalid exercise this is a void exercise it is a void exercise because the precondition in section 92 of the jnk constitution is there should be a breakdown of constitutional machine it was a purely political act designed for the ultimate abrogation of article 370 other parties had indicated a willingness to form a coalition government which opportunity was not afforded to them and in fact one of the submissions made is that in the intervening period between the dissolution on the 19th and the uh, adoption uh, under section 92 of the jnk act on the 20th a fax was sent by these parties saying we are willing to form the government together 
which he refused to recognize, right? But just to give a little bit of context, people will remember this is 2018, but the summer of 2016 and a bit of 2017 had been terrible in jail. 17, not so much, because the summer of 2016 is the Buran Wani death, hmm. the Buran Wani killing. And the quantum mistake, and this is where I think relationships really broke down. Mehbooba Mufti was crystal clear that Buran Wani has to get a public janaza. That Janada mm. was a hero's work. Mm. And we are now realizing four years after the abrogation of Article 370 that these Janazas being such fated events was more a compulsion because of where the power lay, where the gun lay. Mm. Right? But that was the one in which, for example, if you remember, we were using rubber pellets to disperse crowds. Mm -hmm. Children mm -hmm. were being blinded by rubber pellets. There was a lot of human try the world over. So when this argument is made that there is no breakdown of constitutional machinery, you have to bear this in mind. That this was a context. Hmm. Now in 2016, remember, demonetization happens. For whatever reason, 5th tarikh, Mori sahab ko bahut pasand hai. So 5th November 2016, So 2017 summer is a quieter summer in JNK, but still problematic. And there are still bad events occurring. In fact, if you remember, uh, Pathan Court happens at this time and the events that lead up eventually to Bala Court happen at this time before the election in 2019. So whether or not there's a breakdown of constitutional machinery, that is a question that perhaps the judgment doesn't record in the kind of detail that was necessary. But they needed to make a more detailed argument on how there was no breakdown of constitutional machinery that in fact, if you have such events in certain states, it should be the state government that has the power to deal with it, first and foremost. Be that as it may, this is their argument. No breakdown. So your first taking of power under Section 92 or to, under the JNK Constitution itself is void. Right? Now, Section 92, and this is the question I'd raised in between, Section 92 imposes an outer limit of six months. There is no renewal procedure under Section 92 of the JNK Constitution. Thereafter, tacking on the provisions of Article 356, which allow a repeated six-month extension for a total period of three years is a fraud on the JNK Constitution. In other words, the Constitution of India is used to perpetrate a constitutional fraud under the provisions of the JNK Constitution. These are all political decisions not borne out from constitutional considerations. Constitutional considerations are actually always a little bit distinct from political considerations. Because constitutional hmm. considerations take away political emotion and say what can be decision-making criteria and what cannot be decision-making criteria. That's Got the it. purpose. Right? And so they say that these decision-making criteria were no longer satisfied. But there is a larger problem. You can't jump from one constitution to the other constitution. For which reason, one of the issues the court eventually decides is what is the status of JNK sovereignty? Hmm. Because if in fact JNK was sovereign, as I had read in the lead up to article, and that's why I'd given the background, where Sheikh uh, Abdullah himself was saying, effectively, we are sovereign for ourselves, but just these three things are gone. Hmm. Right? That is what dissipates. That's the, that's the basis of the argument here. That if we are sovereign, then you can't, that if my provisions are only six months, you can't suddenly introduce the 356 from the Constitution of India. 
right? Especially because 370 already are the non-obstante. Hmm. You can't suddenly impose from 356 from, uh, from but the, the problem was this. Throughout the 90s, 356 had been imposed. So there was a precedent for that. Well, there is an executive action precedent, but there is no judgment that upheld the power. And also all of this change was also justified by what was that reservation related thing that was uh, set that up. By come later. See, those are those I'm not looking at those because those are those are ancillary arguments as I call them. All right. So there is the fundamental rights of that are guaranteed to other citizens don't immediately apply in JNK. Fine, but first we're looking at constitutional mechanisms. Hmm. Right? Then we'll get to this. And yes, of course, it's an important point, but it is not a point that can supplant the constitutional mechanism. Hmm. So again, just, just to reiterate, here the problem becomes which constitution prevails. Can you, If JNK constitution says only six months, can you suddenly bring in a provision from the Indian constitution that says three years to just? So there's a clear contradiction between the JNK constitution and the Indian constitution. Hmm. And on the 1912-2018 proclamation by the president is void ab initio. The 1912-2018 proclamation by the president was the one in which he imposed 356 on JNK. Based hmm. on the governor's report, which was provided to him on the 23rd of November 2018. Okay. And it is void because the governor's report by which parliament accepted the proclamation was not placed before parliament. Apparently, they're raising a procedural argument. Hmm. Uh, this is something I'm not aware of because I didn't sort of hunt down what happened on that day in Parliament. But their claim is both houses passed the motion without debate and without the governor's report. Right? Basis of breakdown of constitutional machinery is therefore not clear. Which, in other words, if Parliament is not even looking at the governor's report, how can Parliament make up its mind that in fact there was a breakdown of constitutional machinery? That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. Uh, now, that breakdown of constitutional machinery is a common requirement of both Section 92 of the JNK Constitution and of Article 350 of the Constitution. Yeah, which we read. Which we read. Right. How are you making up your mind if you don't even have the report? Effective. So this is effectively a unilateral exercise of 356 powers by the party in power, which is a result on the federal character of the Constitution, can lead to abrogation of several other special interests as carved out in the Constitution. Mm. So they're bogey saying like, oh, so now you can go do this in the Northeast also. At any point in time, central government straight away, there's nothing we're going to do, nothing in the Northeast. Right? One battle at a time. Uh, but theoretically, they're correct. That if you can Absolutely. unilaterally start using 356 like this, and by the way, let's be clear this kind of unilateral brazen use of 356, today you say it is for a positive purpose. Mm -hmm. That is what a lot of us believe, right? 370, mm -hmm. and eventually over time, it's proved to be that. I mean, even in a short period of four years, You've had trenchant critics of 370 turn to the side and say, yeah, this is the best thing you could have done. Yeah. Right? Shaila Rashid and uh, Shah Faisal being the first ones. Big prime examples, but that does not mean that it is not a extremely forceful use of 356. Yeah, but this That's was a special this was a special state. Everything, special can't be, everything can't be waved away as special, which will eventually you come to a point where precedents start getting set. And when the boot is on the other foot, it will look worse. Anyway, now they say that actions taken while the 356 proclamation was in force are void. What were these actions? These actions were president acting as state government and parliament acting, mm. acting as state legislative assembly. So they say once the legislative assembly is dissolved, because he specifically dissolved it, mm. right? 
no occasion for president to exercise power under article 356 so if article 356 proclamation itself has no basis in law all other actions taken there under are also void ab initio in other words for 356 to apply once you have dissolved the legislative assembly itself your next step should be elections hmm purpose of article 356 is in fact to restore governance in the state as soon as possible not to make changes of this sort purpose of 356 is you have identified some breakdown in constitutional machinery you will rectify that problem because you perhaps have more resources and more power in the center once that rectification occurs you must restore back the old constitutional norm the natural constitutional norm that the state government will have its own uh, the state government will have its own elected government the state will have its own elected government right Hmm. Now, Article three fifty seven two stipulates that laws made by president. I had asked you for three fifty seven as well, right? This is very interesting. I want this pulled pulled up. Hmm. Pull this is a out. very core central argument to what is going on. There you go. Exercise of legislative powers under proclamation issued under Article three fifty six. Yeah, yeah. You can come to two. Any law made in exercise of the power of the legislature of the state by Parliament or other president or other authority in, referred to in sub clause A of clause one, which Parliament or the president or such other authority would not, but for the issue of a proclamation under Article three sixty three fifty six, have been competent to make. Shall after the proclamation has ceased to operate, continue in force until altered or repealed or amended by a competent legislature or other authority. In other words, the argument is that because this repeal can happen, really speaking, you make laws of a temporary nature for a temporary period of time because of the breakdown of constitutional machinery. But there is no idea, even under the three fifty six mechanism. of an absolute usurpation of the state's powers hmm. so you make these laws no problem for that period of time but the moment the state government is restored it can say is ab hata mm-hmm. we're deleting everything right which means what which means the inherent intent of these provisions is that parliament cannot make parliament acting as the state legislative assembly in a 356 proclamation environment cannot make irreversible changes this allows for a continued for the form of the con- constitution to be maintained that is a direct quote from br ambedkar right just to simplify you cannot make irreversible changes because the power always remains with the state you just have a special circumstance in which you are governing for a while the state will now take over and go back to making its power rules as it was so you can't be making irreversible changes is the is the essence that they derive from this article not that the article mm. says you can't be making irreversible changes mm. right now can you pull up article 250 i had asked you for that as well sure power of parliament to legislate with respect to any matter in the state list if a proclamation of emergency 
is in operation. That's 356. No, that's 250. This no, no. Written. 356 is a proclamation of emergency. Yeah, okay. I got it. Right. Now, subclause 2. Hmm. A law made by parliament, which parliament would not, but for the issue of proclamation of emergency, have been competent to make. In other words, at the time at which parliament effectively becomes a state legislative assembly, right? It is actually exercising the legislative powers of the state legislative assembly. But those powers are not exercisable by the parliament as parliament. Hmm. Right? So, if it makes laws that otherwise would fall under the state legislative assembly's ambit, to the extent of the incompetency ceased to have effect on the expiration of a period of six months after the proclamation has ceased to operate, except as respects things done or omitted to be done before the expiration of the said period. Very important clause. The end. I'm going to, can you highlight the middle bit first, to the extent of the incompetency? To the extent of the incompetency, I'll just highlight the whole thing if you want. No, 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 no. I want to go clause by clause. The word incompetency is not used in the context in which we have Twitter battles and Twitter fights. Mm. Incompetency is a legislative term of art. It's a constitutional term. Okay. You are competent to make a law or not competent to make a law. Parliament is not competent to make a law in the legislative entries in state in list two of that seven schedule that I'd shown to you earlier. Mm. If Parliament makes a law on those issues, that law is void. But because 356 is in force, Parliament is at that moment in time acting as a state legislative assembly. Correct? And it is therefore passing laws under that list too. Or in the case mm. of JNK, under the power, under the legislative heads that the state of JNK had the power to pass laws under. The moment that proclamation ends, you are now back to being Parliament. In other words, you were a body that never had the power to exercise that. Mm -hmm. Pass that law. So automatically, the extent to which you have passed laws uh, which are beyond the competent of parliament, qua parliament, right? Parliament as parliament. Those laws immediately operate, cease to operate at the period of six, at the expiry of six months. But actions you have taken under it, that's the, now you can, now you can highlight the last bit, except as respect of things done. No, no. Uh, okay. Cease to have effect. Except as respects things done or omitted to be done before the expiration of the said period. So there are things that you have done. Those remain stable. You can't reverse everything. Right? So the argument then becomes that Article 250 subclause 2 states that laws made by Parliament during the existence of 356 shall cease to have effect to the extent of the incompetency. Having taken away this ability of the state in question, the measures adopted are void since they could not be of the permanent nature that they profess to be. I mean, I'm, I'm rephrasing that argument. But what have you done here? Parliament, 356's entire concept is you will reinstate the government. And any laws that you have passed, first I've shown you 357. Mm. Where that particular state, state legislative authority, when it comes back, has the right to either uphold or, or, or reject or repeal altogether whatever parliament may have done in that interim period. And second, that even if it doesn't, 
if a part of a if, if a law is passed by parliament during that proclamation period which otherwise parliament would not have had the power to do then that is automatically gone so the constitutional structure as for the petitioners is that the state legislative authority has to be recreated you must bring it back and it will decide whether the actions that you have committed during that period are in fact valid actions or not Mm. by acting in the way in which you have by creating this permanent change you have in fact withdrawn that ability as well mm. now transfer of power of the government and legislative legislative assembly to president and parliament respectively under 3561 do not include the power transfer of constituent power constituent power can be cannot be transferred unless the jnk constitution specifically provides for it hence the president cannot give concurrence under article 371d nor can parliament recommend a presidential notification under article 370 sub clause 3 in other words when you are exercising and these are called as functions or mm. power of that legislative assembly or of the government those are to be acts in the nature of the management of the day to day operation of the state constituent power means the ability to create a constitutional change under 356 you cannot take to yourself powers that allow you to completely change the jnk constitution it's a very compelling argument it's a because the nature of constituent power and of legislative power is very different very very different. समझ गया नाउ देन दे मेक वन आर्गुमेंट दैट प्रेसिडेंट्स ऑर्डिनेंस मेकिंग पावर कैन नॉट बी ट्रीटेड एज कंस्टिट्यूएंट कॉन्स्टिट्यूशनल इक्विवेलेंट ऑफ ऑर्डिनरी लेजिस्लेटिव पावर सेम फॉर प्रेसिडेंट्स एग्जीक्यूटिव पावर वी वी स्टेट एग्जीक्यूटिव इन अदर वर्ड्स व्हेन यू आर एक्टिंग अंडर 356 यू कैन नॉट एक्चुअली प्रेज्यूम दैट यू आर इन फैक्ट द अथॉरिटी ऑन बिहाफ ऑफ हुम यू आर एक्टिंग यू आर ओनली एक्टिंग फॉर अ लिमिटेड पर्पस इन अ लिमिटेड मैनर Article seventy-five and one sixty-four of the Constitution of India stipulate that the Council of Ministers is responsible to the legislature. That's basic mm. checks and balances, right? Now, the state's legislative, uh, non-legislative functions such as questions and debates cannot be exercised by Parliament during presidency, right? So, you actually, therefore, have not been able to have not had a debate as contemplated under three seventy sub clause three or three seventy mm. sub clause one to be able to give a consent. because this is not a minor power being exercised a significant constituent power that's being exercised the will of the people finds no expression in the purported concurrence of the state government through the governor uh, the 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 constitution the, the constitutional orders are unconstitutional for want of public will and public means you have let's be crystal clear actually acted to circumvent and, and and subvert completely the will of the people as you understood it you didn't want to engage with the will of the people otherwise when you were in fact in government at that time as a coalition partner you would have done it through the through the state government and through the mm. state legislative assembly but you couldn't and you therefore you to subvert that you took this process altogether mm. then they have certain certain arguments on the interpretation of article 370 Article three seventy, and we can go back to it when we're doing the whole judgment again. But it sets up three modes of cooperation between the union and the state government. 
near consultation as required under Article 370, subclause 1, subclause B, where then there is a category where consent of the state government is required under 370, subclause 1, subclause B, subclause sub subclause 2, and second uh, provided to three, Article 370, subclause 1, subclause B, and of course the last, which is where recommendation of the constituent assembly is required under Article 370, subclause 3. So you can think mm. of them as rising uh, requirements. The first is the easiest, where it's mere, merely consultative. The second is where the state government's consent is required. And the third is where the constituent assembly's uh, consent is required. Mm. Article 370 represents asymmetric federalism, autonomy and consent. Asymmetric, asymmetric federalism. federalism. What a word salad. I have to appreciate it. No, no, it's not a word salad. It's, 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 it, this, this is what happens in consociated constitutions all over the world. Asymmetric federalism means there are differential rights vested in certain federal subunits. You will find that in the context of the Northeast as well. Certain provisions don't apply to the Northeast. Taxes, personal taxes don't apply to the Northeast. That's asymmetric federalism. Certain powers are given to certain states that other states do not have. Because these are deemed necessary for the creation and the subsistence of the union. And that is what Article 370 in the context of JNK represented. That's the argument. Hmm. And that if you wanted to then move away from this, you had to first deal with the fact that 370 embodied a certain autonomy for JNK. And lastly, that if you had to move away, then you needed their consent. And this is a very natural argument which was supposed to come at some point in time that Article 370 is effectively contractual in nature. It is effectively a contract between the Union of India and the state of JNK. Uh, That's their claim. That, that they're presenting it that way. That's what they're saying, Article 370. Which was rejected I'm by the courts. I'm covering the arguments today. Yeah, I, I know. To which was rejected by the courts. Yeah, the Constituent Assembly of India was established, which was empowered to determine the constitutional relationship between India. No, sorry, the Constituent Assembly of JNK was established. And when it ends, it determines the entirety of the constitutional relationship between JNK and India. That's a power that you gave to the state of JNK, which you gave to no other state. And when that constituent assembly ends, it does not say dissolve 370 and apply the whole of the Indian constitution to us. It says, no, we are taking our own constitution. Now, in the absence, therefore, of the constituent assembly, no further change can occur to Article 370. Article 370, 370 can only be modified under Article 370, subclause 3, for which you require the consent of the Constituent Assembly of JNK. The Constituent Assembly of JNK no longer exists. Therefore, Article 370, subclause 3 cannot be changed anymore. By its own terms, despite it being termed as a temporary provision, by its own terms, it in fact becomes a permanent provision. And what is the argument on the other side? Look, when it was necessary, you started to read the Sadre Riyasat as a governor. And we have now put in an interpretation clause saying because constituent assembly doesn't exist, you can't have an impossibility. So you can read that as a legislative assembly. Different matter that legislative assembly effectively becomes parliament in this case. And Sadre Riyasat becomes, instead of state government, becomes the governor uh, slash mm. president. But this argument, which I just read out, that Article 3, that in the absence of the Constituent Assembly, Article 370 acquires a permanence. 
this is an argument repeatedly observed in court and made in court by justice rf narayan he is is a big proponent of this argument that, it, that you cannot damage the constitutional language any right uh, unlike other states the constituent power remained with the people of jnk through the states constituent assembly subject to article 1 of the constitution like i pointed out a you set up a constituent assembly for jnk and therefore that is a peculiar power given to jnk and two that residual entry in uh, entry 97 in list 1 Hmm. you've never extended even that to jnk so you you yourself by your actions by your constitutional framework have always kept jnk separate and distinct now comes the issue of but the counter argument is you have put article 370 in part 21 of the constitution and part 21 of the constitution reads as temporary transitional and special provision and article 370 itself reads as temporary provision with respect to the state of jnk right so the question became if it's temporary then why can't it go so their answer to this is there is no merger agreement with india it was temporary pending a merger agreement but you did never entered into a merger agreement with india and the effect of not having a merger agreement is that the state will retain its residual sovereignty article 370 is the constitutional mechanism by which this residual sovereignty is recognized the indian constituent assembly had assumed that the jnk constituent assembly would on establishment re- recommend the abrogation of 370 which it did not that was the expectation in 57 you would turn on say now we don't need 370 we are adopting your constitution but the constituent assembly in jnk does the opposite thing it says we are taking our own constitution and we are keeping 370 specifically the mechanism for article 370 the abrogation was provided by 370 sub clause 3 itself and as outside the purview of article 368 which applies to all other provisions which means what which means that in relation to this specific article which creates your relationship with the state of jnk even your most peremptory article which is the power of amendment of the constitution does not apply you can apply it to everyone else and to everything else in the constitution but you cannot apply it to 370 if you could have applied it to 370 question all this drama was not needed hmm you have a brute majority in parliament you would have said we are amending 370 end of story right this is an indication again that you place jnk as a separate sovereignty so the temp the word temporary now has to be given a meaning so they say the word temporary in as much as the jnk constituent assembly was not in place at the time of its insertion in the constitution of india that is what the meaning of the word temporary that it is temporary for jnk qua the establishment of a constituent assembly because 370 the way it is drafted itself contemplates that the constituent assembly is not in place as yet but it will come into place and it does not do so for any other state so the temporary element is only that the constituent assembly will come together and make its decision once that decision is made that's the permanent decision the word temporary in the marginal note only implies that removal can be by way of the conditions mentioned therein and not without in other words you have 370 sub clause 3 which places a, the temporary nature is okay can be temporary if like every other article in the constitution can be temporary 
subject to basic structure you can remove it all if you want but you have to mm-hmm. do it by the conditions given and the condition given is constituent assembly has to say yes so when the constituent assembly dissolves that a power a power to exercise that ability goes up now you'll recall i had read one of those earlier judgments in which i had said that one of the arguments was that which one the 70s one or the 70s one No, no, no. There was there was more than one. There was one in which, in fact, they had said that three seventy that they had tried to say. In fact, the seventies one. You're correct in pointing that out. Sampath Kumar, where mm-hmm. they had in fact tried to say that the Constituent Assembly having been formed, the Constitution having been framed in JNK, three seventy now is nothing. It's dead. So there is no way mechanism by which Indian provisions can apply to JNK. So these guys use that argument. One of them did. to say your constitution now means nothing this was argued by senior advocate dinesh duvedi uh state of jnk retained a part of sovereignty unlike any other state the instrument of accession is the only descriptor of the relationship between the state and india since there is no merger agreement the instrument of accession exceeds uh certain legislative matters to the union but retains residual sovereignty hmm. i've been through this the very existence of a constituent assembly and a separate constitution indicates sovereignty article 370 sub sub clause 2 further underscores this if a matter is to be brought within the power of the union by concurrence with the state government and that has to be placed before the state constituent assembly right this was that provision that said that if you have concurred on some things to go under the union parliament prior to the formation of the of the constitution assembly because I remember i told you there is a time gap between the indian constitution therefore article 370 coming into force and the jnk constituent assembly sitting which happens 18 months later so that provision had mm. said that if during that time you have put into force certain provisions of the indian constitution uh, by giving consent as the state government and those things have to now be placed before the constituent assembly and only if the constituent assembly accepts them will they be accepted hmm therefore the effect of doing that and the effect of article 370 sub clause 2 in the way you worded it is that you cannot say that the jnk constitution is subordinate to the indian constitution they are separate and independent documents we go back to that line by shama prasad mukherjee ek desh independent and perpetual documents right yeah basically now yeah. now they turn to co 272 272 is the one where i showed you they inserted 367 4 Hmm. and they where your, your chacha bhatija line where they started changing everyone into everything that's the right? best part just in the <laughs> simplest sense what they did was they took state government to mean governor right and the real progression there is sadre riyasat becomes state government becomes governor hmm. constituent assembly becomes legislative assembly becomes parliament hmm so the eventual exercisers of power are, are, are governor and parliament but power on behalf of jnk the term seriously as used in article 370 sub clause 2 could not be in sub clause 2 and 3 could not be ordered to mean something else because the nature of a body like the constituent assembly is a different body right so the indian constituent assembly the one that we often talk about that gave us the constitution is inherently a different body from any other body right 
different matter that in parliament for so what they could establish a constitution with a mere stroke of the pen they didn't need anything other than a concurrence amongst themselves but for the indian government or indian parliament to amend constitution you need majority sometimes you need much more than a majority sometimes you need even the consent of the states so inherently the constituent power of a constituent assembly is greater than the constituent power of even a legislative assembly or of a parliament now this is a this is a very to me this is a very interesting and very compelling argument i read 360 70 is an interpretation clause right what have you gone and said in 367 your jhol is x will mean y y will mean z what you read in 367 was to say that the state government will mean the government the constituent assembly will mean the legislative assembly then you apply 356 and governor becomes governor obviously and uh, the state legislative assembly becomes part but what have you done effectively in by saying that we can alter interpretation under 367 sub clause 4 you are effectively amending 370 sub clause 3 mhm because you have that was changed, a cascading effect you that so you effectively altered 370 sub clause 3 this is the bit which i think is the weakest part of what the steps taken because 370 sub clause 3 in its own spirit says you can only president may amend 370 but with the consent of the constituent assembly right in other words president doesn't need to act in any capacity other than his own capacity as president of india and that's what mm. we saw in that co president acting in his capacity but parliament giving consent governor and parliament giving consent so what you could not do under 370 sub clause 3 if you had to do it ordinarily what would you do you would have the president pass a order saying constituent assembly should be amended to read state legislative assembly right but for that to be valid you now would have had to go back to the constituent assembly of jnk but there is no constituent assembly of jnk in other words you could not have amended 370 sub clause hmm and if you could not have amended it that way you certainly cannot amend it by just making a change in the interpretation clause because the interpretation clause is a non substantive clause it does not create powers and rights and remedies but you have used it effectively to completely alter constituent power where constituent power sat and resided in the constituent assembly you have altered that to suddenly mean legislative assembly by one switch in the interpretation clause hmm now this is a very interesting provision of the jnk constitution uh so part 12 of the jnk constitution which is section 147 is the amendment to the constitution and in their proviso they say that no bill or amendment seeking to make any change in the provision of the constitution of india as applicable in relation to the state shall be introduced or moved in either house of the state legislature in other words even if you are acting as a state legislature which is parliament mhm is acting as a state legislative assembly you can't be recommending a change into the indian constitution 
no such bill can be tabled even before the legislative assembly. So you have acted in a sense by accepting these constitutional orders even beyond the power of the state legislative assembly had it existed at that moment. But I actually know uh, this argument, how the government is going to be responding to this, but that's okay. That's no, no, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll get to all of that. I'm just pointing them out now. Yeah, but this this is the easiest point to answer. I, I actually know how the government would deal with this, but again, like I said, that is for part two. I've already pointed out the non-obstante to you. The way they use yeah, the yeah. non-obstante. No, no, the way they use the non-obstante is to say that if 370 subclause 1 are the non-obstante, then you can't be exercising powers under 356. Hmm. Right? Unless 356 itself had a non-obstante. Mm -hmm. Then you could be exercising powers under 370. Uh, then one very simple argument which says that, look, 370 subclause 1's idea was that you, you, would, you would have portions of legislation, portions of the constitution applying to uh, JNK. When you apply the constitution wholesale, there's actually no application of mind. Because the application mm -hmm. of mind had to relate to events and incidents in JNK which required the specific application of a provision. Got it. Right. Uh, the establishment of the state constituent assembly was the fulfillment of the promise that terms of accession under the IOA would be determined by the people of the state. That was your contractual agreement. Mm. That was embodied in the constituent assembly. That's why you can't alter it today. Uh, then that bit where I told you that the, under CO 272, the, constitu the constituent order 272, the president is obtaining his own consent. Right? Effectively, the state government is giving consent to the yeah, president. The president to is the state government. Yeah, and where the president himself is the state government. Yeah. And that's a breakdown of the checks and balances within the... So what they're saying is this was done where they became the judge, jury, executioner. And in effect, therefore, you bypass the will of the people. Yeah. State government would have affected the will of the people, would have represented the will of the people. Yeah. Before people get nervous, try and understand what we're trying to do is explain what the petitioner had said. The, all the answers of how the courts dealt with these arguments will be in part two, which will be on Tuesday. Yeah, but... I, I I did want to do it this way because mm. I wanted people to know that these arguments are not they are very persuasive arguments they are not ordinary arguments mm. right like these are this is why it's such a fountainhead case it looks at uh, federalism in such a broad spectrum these are not arguments that you can just brush aside the status of the constituent assembly is a crucial argument it's not a very simple argument to get past. Mm. If it was something you could get past, why were you? Why did you frame 370 okay. the way in Can I ask you a few questions that the viewers have asked? Can I? We'll get to that. I just have the last few. Like it's a little. Okay. I just have about five minutes to talk, and then we can do the. Okay. Questions. Okay. Chal, the state legislative assembly and the government were dissolved. So effectively, the governor, who is under the control of the president, gave consent to the president. That we've dealt with. President usurped the power of the state government. The article distinguishes between matters covered under the instrument of accession and those that are not. For the president to exercise those powers under the proclamation under 356, that article also required a non-obstante clause in 356. Uh, in order to override the non-obstante clause in 370 subclause 1. So he is effectively saying the 370 subclause 1, notwithstanding anything in his constitution, means you can't exercise powers under 356. 356 should have opened by saying notwithstanding anything in his constitution as well to override this one. 
So they are making jurisdictional arguments. No, no, these are not jurisdictional arguments. These are textual arguments. This is what the constitution says. You cannot put everything aside. If the constitution says certain things, they are making that argument to say not only are these textually what they are, but the spirit of what you were intending to do is also against the spirit of what these provisions. And then on CO273, by which uh, firstly, the president accepts the consent, which is this, where he says, in exercise of powers conferred by Article by Clause 3 of Article 370 and Subclause 1 of Article 370, the president, this is the president acting as the president, on the recommendation of parliament, parliament acting as state legislative, mm -hmm. state legislative assembly, is pleased to declare that as from the 6th of August 2019, all clauses of Article 370 shall cease to be operated. That's what 273 is. So they say that this is completely invalid for the reasons I've already given in relation to 272. But besides which, there is no representative body. The state CA does not exist. The constituent assembly does not exist anymore. Uh, only state constituent assembly had the power. Uh, CO273 required for the state legislative assembly to be enforced, even if 272 is deemed valid. In the absence of state legislative assembly, that power could not be exercised by parliament. So even if you made it into state legislative assembly, by your interpretation, by changing the interpretation clause, you cannot then take that to travel to meaning parliament under 356. Right? And the two uh, CEOs together amount to unilateral reneging of the, con of the compact between the Union of India and the people of JNK. Uh, Uh, the last argument I think I can leave. Uh, I am not going into arguments on why they say the Reorganization Act is invalid. Uh, because those don't pertain to 370 per se. Those are mm. the steps that come after 370. But just very quickly, uh, Because what uh, what I'll do is I'll ask you all the questions that have been asked, but I feel some of them you may want to answer them on part two. I'll hold them. No, on it doesn't to... matter. I'll, I'll, I'll initiate that. Let me give a flavor of what part two will be. Right. Let, let's start mm. that at least so that people then want to tune in into part. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go into the reorganization act because that's a different matter altogether. We can perhaps deal with that in the judgment. And anyway, we've taken a long time covering this much. Yeah, so, so why okay, don't we go to the um, questions? Yeah, so somebody has asked, wouldn't any clause of 370 be void because it was added to the constitution court illegally? I uh, don't quite understand the question. Or in fact, that may be, if I'm understanding the question, isn't that the entirety of the petitioner's argument that everything you've added in is illegal? Yeah, but, and uh, the courts have I, I want to understand, this a basic structure argument is, I, I don't quite understand. I don't know, it's just a, wouldn't, wouldn't any clause of 370 be void because it was added to the constitution illegally. I don't. 370 is an original provision. Mm. It is a provision from the first day of the constitution. So there can't be any illegality to an original provision. Mm. And there is nothing added into 370 after that. Fair enough. That's exactly what I had thought. So... Next question. If the Supreme Court had reversed the abrogation of 370, 
would the indian government have been justified in stopping all payments to sovereign jnk government this is a beautiful question i loved this question it's a dangerous uh, question pucha hai magar woh dimag laga ke pucha hai nahi nahi it's a it's an excellent question uh, really? if if the basis for that judgment had in fact been that jnk is sovereign but then if you do that you yourself are no longer applying article 1 to jnk and you yourself are taking away all the other constitutional orders that you have applied to jnk in other mm. words the moment you take this step you are saying please see we allow you to mm. so it might seem like a ha we will set you straight but it's a self defeating argument hmm so this question hi hi ye aadmi ko bada dukh dard peeda ho rahi hai iske liye main puch raha hu so can tomorrow a congress led government reverse this abrogation of 370 is it possible to permanently disable any activity on 370 hence further i mean basically isn't that part 2 of the entire podcast that we are going to do explaining what the government well we will but but in in short what we are saying today and this is why i read that bit from 250 and from uh, where where i said that if any particular action is already taken under a legislative in fact forget about the Cong- congress government in power in uh, the center when you have a state legislature which is back in power it can start reversing steps taken and recommendations given correct but there have a problem that every step that is already been taken during the pendency will be accepted hmm because that's what the court has basically put a no that's what the article on. says article 250 supplies to says that and whatever you've done already will be accepted hmm. this is where that argument comes that how could you have done something so permanent hmm ab ho gaya na in yeah. any event today when a jnk government comes back to power it comes to power under an under the indian constitution there is no jnk government constitution to come to power with hmm and so your powers now as a state legislature would be circumscribed by the actions taken under the indian constitution by the state thereafter samajh gaya samajh gaya okay next question was given government of india was planning this for at least 6 years before the abrogation of 370 do you see any sign of government of india working on the ucc and work board also hum <laughs> vakil saab aapko kuch pata hai Look, I don't know where you get the six years. I I actually think, and I'm not. I I think they tried the Sida approach first. They got into power. They wanted to share power, and they must have got a feel for how bad things are with Mehbooba Mufti. Hmm. That they must have thought that if 370 has to be repealed, then we have to raise the conversation. But they must have realized you can't even raise this conversation. Hmm. So don't even give an indication of this outside of your manifesto, right? and otherwise mm. keep quiet on during that preceding period when they were jointly in power they kept talking about 370 not on the table right now mm. uh, so they must have realized pretty soon that now we have to do it in the other route mm. but i perhaps they'll do it perhaps they'll do all of this i have yeah. seen from the questions i have I, i understand and i apologize to the listeners and to the viewers this was highly technical But it needed to be highly technical if you had no, to understand. No, but honestly, I think uh, it was quite obvious how the government did it. 
now the way we explained it right now people actually understand how what was the rational of the government that is why i used that chacha bhatija analogy and try to dumb it down yeah, the, yeah but, that's the perfect you know, analogy it, because it, the government it, literally thought like that but it's a perfectly fair thing that for viewers who are perhaps for the first time being exposed to these constitutional provisions they're actually very difficult they're actually very complicated and they can and, watch it or listen it, to it again right yeah yeah so maybe the maybe they, they you can have more sort of reflective questions in part 2 hmm so so we can do that right so these were the questions that were asked and there was one more question that was asked that there is a lot of apprehension with respect to article 370 in different communities that have voiced concerned about uh, corrupt politicians builders or mafias coming up so do you think the what do you think that has to do with this entire kerfuffle do you have any opinion uh, on that i have been quite clear from the start of this podcast i was looking only at the constitutional mechanism yeah. by which this was done i think what they are talking about is that the state of governance post 370s abrogation itself has seen some negative outcomes hmm. uh, but those negative outcomes don't have a fallout on the constitutional mechanism yeah so and and, and the corruption that. argument is such a straw man argument as if corruption did not exist before this i mean to this person everybody this way person. corruption in india does not amount to a breakdown of constitutional machinery nothing, because if it did the state government was gone yeah nothing and not only that you have no idea how corrupt the governments were there and how much two families how much wealth two families have amassed so the less i say the better the less i say the better because at the end of the day mai zyada bolunga to pata nahi baat kahan nikal jayegi the, the things i know i can't say here let's just put it this way so anyways so what we'll do is nikhil actually almost this was amazing i now even i have clarity because like mai bhi padhta rehta hu magar mujhe bhi kuch cheeze nahi samajh pad rahi thi to aaj actually sunke mujhe perfect clarity mil gayi ki what the hell the government did how they looked at it what legal precedents were set to go about doing it and good now we also dealt with the challenges uh, uh, you know sent from the side that was opposing the abrogation of 370 so we have done that so now we have actually now have the perfect platform for tuesday you know, and, I, and i and i hope there's an appreciation amongst everyone that the arguments that were being raised you know because a lot of the people who raised these arguments who were who were arguing on behalf of petitioners So basically being looked at as meddlesome people but they had a very very good and strong and solid constitutional basis to raise these questions these are strong constitutional questions which all these are not minor arguments hmm because if you can do this then the words of a constitution don't matter other you know you have to answer all of this properly as the court you can't let all of this go away that's in part 2 but hmm. don't think that these are light arguments that were raised they're very strong arguments fair enough you know we'll leave it at that we'll wrap today's discussion over here nikhil good job i'm actually mere ko bahut begrudgingly bolna pad raha hai ki i'm proud of you tune bahut acche se explain kiya but zyada serious nahi ho jana baad mein main tujhe gaaliyan de dunga but yeah uh, this was really informative i learned a lot so as always thanks buddy so this is why i told you right at the start that we're do this in two parts i, I can't yeah. practice Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was brilliant, boss. This was brilliant because no, it's not brilliant. It's it's just enumerative. That's all it is. I'm just no, no. I, I am so proud of the government of India. The way they did it, I am so impressed by them. I'm like, yar, man, gaye ustad. Kya shatir dimag hai? Aise kya? Aise kya? Aise kya? It's brilliant stuff. No, but look. 
ये चीजें ना ओवर अ पीरियड ऑफ टाइम थोड़ी ऑब्वियस होने लगते हैं बिकॉज नेक्स्ट टाइम जब बात करेंगे so they mm. choose to do it in the interpretation clause right mm. and then they had the last bit to justify which is by doing all of this when a 356 proclamation is in effect can we do it when a 356 proclamation is in effect that's the thing got it that and that's the crux of the issue that's the crux yeah. that's and the that's heart. what the courts dealt with that's, the that's courts basically is. dealt with exactly that issue That's the perfect place to end, Nikhil. As always, thank you very much. So I'll see you on. Thank Tuesday. you so much, Kishore. This is actually a lot of fun and allowed me to sort of dig much deeper into the judgment as well. I enjoyed. I told you, you can you, see when we do the podcast. I've told you, you have absolute freedom to take it wherever you like to. I I I love. No, no, but but I do appreciate that for a lot of listeners, this one will be very dry, very difficult to at times to follow. Perhaps even a boring podcast. This one was meant more Asani. for. Saniye. uh i i have to appreciate my listener base also whether audio or youtube wala i i say this with a lot of pride that on this podcast at least we have created a system where a certain level of audience comes a highly evolved audience the questions were so intelligent see the questions show what kind of audience you have and yahan pe log aate hi us type ke hain तो वही लोग होते हैं जो मैटर करते हैं एंड एंड आई से दिस विथ ऑल सीरियसनेस दैट एवरी टाइम आई डू दीज काइंड ऑफ पॉडकास्ट यू नो देर इज एप्रीहेंशन मेनी टाइम्स फ्रॉम द गेस्ट परस्पेक्टिव बट एंड आई ऑलवेज टेल द गेस्ट ट्रस्ट माई ऑडियंस माई ऑडियंस इज वेरी शार्प वेरी स्मार्ट एक्चुअली कैन आस्क क्वेश्चन Yeah, they will, and you'll see they'll come back on Tuesday again. They'll come back. Yeah, yeah, Tuesday. I'm, I'm really hoping to hear that. I mean, if people have heard it in that time, and they really want to sort of engage with it, come back with more and more questions, guys. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, and we'll do exactly that. So, guys, I'll see you guys again, again on Monday. So, dekhungai, but as for this podcast, the part two will be on Tuesday. But before we wrap it up, once again, these podcasts take a lot of effort. So, if you can. support the charvak podcast there are multiple ways to support it you can buy merch on kushalmehra.com you can become a member on youtube patreon fanmo if you can't do any of this you're an audio listener just leave a rating on spotify itunes whichever platform you listen to leave a rating over there if you're watching this on youtube like the video subscribe to the channel leave the comments in the comment section and go follow nikhil on so on x I've left his Twitter handle, X handle, in the description of the podcast. This podcast is built for these kinds of deep dives, long discussions, which basically no other podcast. I say this with a lot of pride and humility. At the same time, basically no other podcast does this. I try to do this because I love this, and maybe I I did a few things in my earlier life that has given me the buffer to experiment with these things. so i hope you guys appreciate it i will see you guys next time until then namaste take care bye bye